In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Greetings to the people of Christ and St. Luke's from Chapel Hill and from the people of the Chapel of the Cross. Too many folks to count requested that I send hugs and greetings to you all and to the Van Neal family. I serve a parish that was named for the feast we keep this evening, the Feast of the Holy Cross. And it feels meet and right to keep that feast with fellow disciples as you take a next step forward in the life of ministry in your parish. And this year, as we contemplate the paradox that is at the heart of the cross, the wonder of God's self-offering and desire to be with us, to know us so intimately that God sent Jesus Christ, and that the cross, such a vile instrument of torture, was used to crucify so many criminals, including our Lord. We can ask, what is it that draws us to the cross? We can remind ourselves that for the first three centuries of Christian history, the cross was the reason people attacked Christianity. The scandal of the cross was the most justifiable reason for dismissing the Christian faith. And the idea that you could have a faith based around one who had been crucified made no sense. Yet early Christians were known by the cross. We heard from Tertullian that Christians seldom do anything significant without making the sign of the cross. It wasn't until the fourth century with Helena, mother of Constantine, when an archeological search for the early roots of Christianity was undertaken, that there begins to be a shift in the ways in which the cross was perceived. The presumed sites of Jesus' crucifixion and burial were dug out from beneath pagan temples, and tradition says that three crosses were discovered in this process, one presumed to be the cross on which Jesus was crucified, and a basilica known as the Holy Sepulchre was finished on that site and consecrated September 14th, 355 and is still active in worship and devotion today with communities in the Orthodox, Roman, Armenian, Coptic, Ethiopian, and Syrian Christian communities, along with thousands of pilgrims from around the world. So why Holy Cross? It is in Jesus' self-emptying in his humiliation, that Jesus reveals what God is like. 
And so what does it mean that Christians engrave the cross, paint it, sculpt it, place it in their homes, their churches, even on their bodies? What is it about this emblem that compels athletes and soldiers and priests and explorers and singers to sign themselves with the cross before any moment of great endurance or fear? And why is this day, indeed every day, different because of those two pieces of wood hastily and securely fixed together? We celebrate the cross because in it and through it, we are caught up and get to live a life with God. God came to be like us so that we had the opportunity to become like God. Jesus was extraordinary in his love and he lived the most brilliant of human lives, teaching in seemingly simple ways. And still he considered himself, considered it fitting to humble himself, to be lifted up upon the cross. And the response to which we all are called then is to trust this truth, this grace, this love with our lives. The one who humbled himself to death on a cross requires more than a casual glance. The cross reminds us of the ways we are an already and a not yet people. We know that God's love has already triumphed over every evil, already in Jesus' death in the cross, in his resurrection, in his ascension, and we know that we do not yet live in a world where love, which looks like justice and equity for all God's people, is realized by all. Now you have called in Father Noah one who yearns to make that mind of Christ that not-yet-knownness of the world that we live in be known. On some blessed occasions in ministry, one is gifted to labor in the vineyards with one you grow not just to call colleague, but also friend, someone you trust and care for, someone you let care for you. And for three years, I was so gifted to share in ministry with Father Noah at the Chapel of the Cross. Now you've no doubt experienced his boundless energy, his charismatic presence, his intellect, his laughter in the hallways. You've had him show up and be present with you in a crisis with tender, gentle care. There's some things you've not yet gotten to experience, like walking up to his office door while he's in there practicing a sermon, or bursting into his office to tell him something humorous, only to realize 
you've disrupted his prayer. Have you seen his thoughtful care for his family? His encouragement of Vincent and of Arthur? His steadfast love for Melinda? Each of us relies on our families to inhabit and embrace those duties of ministry into which we are called. And I know that you will care not just for Noah, but also for Melinda and for Vincent and for Arthur, each of whom brings their own particular gifts to the body of the church. Anybody heard Melinda sing? Yes? Yeah. Now, in just a moment, the congregation will present to Noah signs of the bishop's ministry and of Noah's ministry in this community. Signs, outward and visible symbols of the ministry led by, shared by the people of Christ and St. Luke's who have been pulling on the threads and roots of the Christian expression of faith in this community since the 1630s. So on this Holy Cross Day, I would like to make a slightly preemptive presentation of a sign of ministry, because I think it embodies a charism that Noah surely has, and one that I hope might be alive in the parish. Noah and people of Christ and St. Luke's receive this crocodile mask. (laughs) May you all be animated with the zeal for friendship with Jesus following that one who was lifted high upon the cross. Now, why a crocodile mask, you might ask? Why on Holy Cross Day? I'm going to pass this off to you, Noah, so it's not flapping around. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Because that has been floating around our house for the last two years. It was shared either at Vincent or Arthur's birthday party. Whose was it? And it was Vincent's birthday party. And it was a birthday party like no other. Not just cake and ice cream. But there were games which culminated with tag in the yard, with four and five-year-olds prepared to race from one side of the yard to the other. And in the still, muggy, sunny, humid afternoon, with temperatures in the mid-90s, there emerged into the yard from the side of the house a terrifying life-size crocodile in a furry suit. (laughs) My own young child raced around the yard and suddenly declared, wait, that's Father Noah. (laughs) Who else, who else do you know who has the kind of zeal and joy to wear a furry crocodile suit in 90-degree weather in North Carolina. That same kind of zeal is lived out authentically in Noah's life of discipleship and priesthood. In the ordination liturgy, the litany from which 
we said prayers at the start of the service. One is made a priest. And I think, too, that one becomes a priest as one is burnished through encounters, through the alchemy that makes Christian community. So you all together are part of that becoming. And as you care for each other, bump into each other, work for justice together, bring your best selves as offering to the living God. May you always be in the process of becoming, of being transformed more and more into the image and likeness of God, animated with some crocodile mask zeal for Jesus. Amen.